Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Welcome back to another episode of the Internet's Most Dangerous Tottenham Hotspur Podcast. It's Wheeler Dealer Radio, and we're back like we never left, just like Tottenham Hotspur. We have another fairly underwhelming performance to talk about. But first, we're going to just bask in the joy of being back in your earbuds. Uh, Welcome back. Ben, welcome back to the podcast. I know you're thrilled. It's good to be here. I had a nice long sojourn in Pandora for the last month, uh, but... Now that I'm back, you know, I'm ready to buckle down and return to return to form. You know, I would like to thank James Cameron for making sure that the Navi did not uh, have, like, forked tongues or anything, because otherwise, you know, Ben's surgical alterations would really have impacted the podcast. But I, I'm just grateful we were able to avoid that. That's true. They're all cosmetic. They have no, no quality of life diminishing whatsoever. Well, I guess I, you haven't got your uh, the new bones put in your legs, so you're nine feet tall yet so that that could be a little uncomfortable yeah but i mean i'm short to begin with so it's honestly i think gonna be a net positive the tail is a little disconcerting for some people we'll get past that yeah yeah (laughs) and also joining us from the wilds of miami it is brian ashlock brian how was your winter break um it was fine uh it was uh really cold here um i got down into the 50s a couple days um so that's like i don't know the 12 or 15 for those of you that use celsius like weirdos um so uh i barely made it out alive i had to break out like a jacket and a stocking cap one day so um just it's been a struggle were you were you able to get some uh some uses out of your sporting hat that you bought in lisbon yeah, I uh, I continue to wear my my very fancy Nike hat, um, and uh, it's my own little private joke with myself every time I put it on. <laughs> well, now that we're back, it's your own private joke with three with two other people. So, that's true. Explained the pod before the terrible hat that Brian. No, I don't think we with. did. Brian, would you like to explain the terrible hat you bought at the Sporting Lisbon shop before we watch them play uh, Vittoria? Yeah, I mean, look, I I like snapbacks, and I just wanted uh, a Sporting Lisbon snapback. And there was one that I very much wanted, but it was like a display model, and it was very dirty and gross. And so I wasn't going to buy it. I was like, do you have this in the back? He's like, the the guy that's working there said no, um, but these are all the hats we have. This is it. And so there was no good hats. And so then we went to the stadium to hopefully go to the other team store. And I was like, I'm going to get a hat. This is a mission now. And I just end up buying a black Nike snapback that literally says, has the Nike logo and the swoosh on the front of it. So it looks like a fucking Nike hat. And then very small letters on the side, it says sporting CP. Um, so I, it just looks like I'm a big, big fan of Nike. We we well, did I point out, I, I feel like at the airport we pointed out to you there was a store there that had the snapback you were looking for. And at that point you just refused to No, it. I was done. I was done. I bought my sporting hat. I don't need another one. Um, I, Greg sent me a link like two days later like, hey, here's the hat you were looking for. I'm like, that's nice. I'm not going to fucking buy it. <laughs> um, I have my one sporting hat and that is it. Brian, the, the real tragedy here is that you had multiple opportunities to get a bucket hat. Yeah, uh, I'm not a bucket hat guy yet. Brian, I think you're a bucket hat. You live in Florida. You're definitely a bucket hat guy. I think you give me like 10 more years and like just like a little more sun damage to my face and neck, and then I'll be a bucket hat guy. What do you think, Ben? Could you have pulled off the bucket hat? I mean, I think Brian desperately wishes to reclaim, you know, the Zoomer energy that he sees around him on the Miami beaches, and I think a bucket hat would have been a perfect way to fit in. And then, in ten years, transition to old man bucket hat era. It's, it's. I mean, the era spanning kind of purchase. I mean, look, a lot of mistakes were made. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna say by whom, but you can listen to the story and figure it out for yourself. 
<laughs> well, uh, I'm going to just seamlessly transition here. Um, before we get to Tottenham Hotspur, there was a kind of important um, football tournament that happened uh, in the last month or so. Uh, maybe you've heard of it. It's called the World Cup. Um, I don't know. We didn't, we didn't podcast through it because we are smart. Um, unlike other podcasts that uh, kept producing episodes and wearing out their vocal cords. But um, I do think we should talk about it briefly. Uh, Brian, what was your favorite thing from the World Cup? Um, the guy from Portugal that scored the hat trick in spite of Ronaldo. Um, <laughs> I thought, uh, you know, his there's a real fuck you to Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, I really liked that. I appreciated it. Ben, you, I'm, I'm suspecting it might be the same thing for you. What was your favorite thing from the World really Cup? Stole, uh, as a you know boyhood Portugal fan, uh, you're really sorry. Stole. That was the first thing I could think of. That's great. You know. great for everyone. <laughs> I think I, I tweeted this, but not having like a deep fandom, like I like the U.S., but like I have no illusions about how good we're going to do with this thing. So I'm just along for the ride. So not having every match being like life or death and like being depressed about my team doing poorly or seeing someone else's good result, like pissing me off like it does in the league. Just it wasn't there. I just got to watch a bunch of fun football. And that was very liberating and very refreshing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I guess I, I'd say two things. The first of which, which I think is obvious and sort of goes to what Ben says is we had a good final. I. I I can't remember the last final of any major tourna- tournament that had that was that fun to watch um, from a non, you know, like, I, I was about to say my team's doing well, and even though the game sucks, but that hasn't actually happened. So, But, like, that was actually, as a neutral, that was a really fun final to watch. And I, God, I can't remember the last time there was a Champions League final. I mean, I'm sure someone will come up with an example. but it just it, Champions League? Just the drama? <laughs> No, but, well, no, just, like, you know, when's the last time we've had a good final that's, like, actually fun to watch as opposed to just a really tense match? Like, I, I feel like it has been a while, uh, certainly for a World Cup, uh, and I really enjoyed that. Uh, but sort of the flip side of what you were saying, Ben, is, like, I kind of enjoyed, like, I don't have any illusions about how good the U.S. is, but it was nice watching them play in some big matches, uh, which, you know, like, you don't always get to, when you're in club football, even for a good team, even for a team that I know we all complain, but has been as relatively successful as Spurs have been in the last decade, you know, you don't always get big matches like that every season. I mean, you have derbies, you have games that feel important, but you don't always have, like, a big semifinal or a big final, um, which, you know, the U.S. didn't play in. But, you know, you're in the World Cup, you're playing a knockout game, you're playing meaningful group match games. I mean, you know, that's the one of the nice things about the World Cup is the importance around it, and... You know, there was, you know, maybe, maybe it's sort of a mix of, you know, having big time stakes, but also just like, you know, just not, not having a whole lot of expectations. So, you know, I'm disappointed when Spurs don't beat the Netherlands, but I'm not really that disappointed. And you also remove the fact that like, I don't know, there's maybe one team in the World Cup I really don't like. And other than that, it's just a bunch of teams that sort of mildly annoy me or whatever. So, um yeah, it's, it's it's it was a relaxing sort of month of football where I thought the quality of football was uh, a little higher than I'm used to in these in these tournaments. So that, I think that was really fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, the worst part was obviously Harry Kane letting down the country, um, and uh, you know Hugo Lloris letting down Spurs as well. Just basically everybody but Christian Romero letting down. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur, um, or, or I guess, in all honesty, everyone other than Christian Romero living up to the expectations that we have of you know a, a, a I think Hotspur player. I think Hugo Lloris had. I don't think you can have many complaints about his tournament. Yeah, boy, for a guy who has uh, had a rocky season the last month, leading into Fraser Forster's wonderful. Uh, debut for Spurs has really, really made me appreciate what what Hugo still has left in the tank. I feel like Hugo does this every, because I, I don't know, I feel like we have this conversation, not we Spurs fans as the we, have this conversation every few years where it's like, Hugo's done, we gotta move on, because he has like sort of a rocky, which I think sometimes if we're being honest, aren't isn't as rocky as we think it is, a couple months or a couple weeks, 
and then he kind of just gets it together, which I'm not saying doesn't mean we don't need to be looking for a replacement at this point, but I, I always feel like the claims of Hugo Lloris' decline is are always greatly exaggerated um, amongst the Spurs fan base. I yep. agree. The past has been uh, the pro Gazaniga takes uh, did not age well, mm, but mm. I, th- I do think we are finally approaching. The not, we might be. It's just I, I do feel like Spurs fans are a little too ha- have been a little too eager to shovel dirt on his grave when you know I, I feel you know oh he has a rocky month and a half or whatever and then like last year he played lights out for like half the season if not more so anyway. Um, what a great transition to get back to Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, Tottenham drew 2-2 to Brentford at Brentford. Um, I think despite the fact that, even though I think it was an excuse, I do think it also has the benefit of being true. I think this game is maybe a little tougher than it feels like it should be. But at the same time, you can't be playing like that to Brentford if you're Spurs. Um, I don't know. It, it was a very frustrating game. A lot of a lot of the same problems we've seen the first half of the season were still there. I don't know why I expected that to change. I keep waiting for this team to wake up, and it doesn't seem to be happening. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's it's easy to, you know, the frustration with the first half and a little bit of the second, it's easy to maybe not recognize that we did play pretty well for the last third, if not a little bit more of this game. Um, Brian, we've now seen 90 minutes of post-World Cup Spurs football. How, what what ironclad uh, takes have you have you come up with since we watched this game? I mean, new Tottenham Hotspur, same as the old Tottenham Hotspur. I don't know. I, I mean, uh, the we look good in in spurt in the match. Like the last thirty minutes after we finally scored, we we started to put some pressure. But like, um. I am just really tired of playing from behind, um, and this is what I think the I think the stat going around after the game was nine consecutive matches where we've been uh, where, where we've conceded first, and you know look the results in some of those games have wound up being okay. We've we've salvaged draws, we've gotten some wins, but I mean if we just try to play football for the first forty five minutes of a game. Uh, w- we might not have to play from behind, you know, and and we're in a position where, you know, we're having to scramble and, and do these like late dramatic things when we, we just don't have to. And and, and I, I'm hesitant to read too much into the first half performance here because really it's a story of two pretty bad individual errors I think Fraser Forrester does a really horrible job on that first goal that, you know, Lloris doesn't quite probably make a hash of that if he's in there. And then the dire clearance for to lead to the corner on the second one, like that, that's just mental mistakes. And, and I don't think any amount of tactical nouse or, or, or anything like that is going to change those things. Um, but the fact remains is that Brentford was better than us for the first half hour. And and if we could have eliminated those individual errors, maybe we wouldn't have to have had to come back from two down. <sighs> I mean, <laughs> individual errors, which are real, like this was not a strong performance and they were creating opportunities for themselves beyond those um you know i think that the first goal we can lay a lot of that at forrester's feet but it did take an unfortunate deflection off i think Longley um that wrong-footed him you know it was i'm much more mad about the whole breakdown of the move leading up to that chance where tanganga was you know playing for some reason um and tony did very well to isolate against him constantly and when long ball after long ball you know, they transformed that into a very comfortable um, opportunity for, I can't remember who took the initial shot that was blocked, but just wide open um, on Embuemo's cross. Um, that was, you know, deflected for the for the first save by Forrester. Um, first goal. Who was it? The first goal by Forrester, or you said save? 
Yeah, I mean, the, the shot that was saved. Oh, 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 okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, whoever took that shot was completely wide open in the box. Um, it was just a very good move from Brentford that just picked us apart like with ease. And they did that multiple times throughout the match. And yes, Dyer gave away a corner needlessly, but like you've got to defend set pieces, and we keep not defending set pieces as a team. So like I'm mad about the individual mistakes, but the individual mistakes are just the things that came at the end of us being broken down and the ways we get broken down all the fucking time. Uh, it was, it was bad. The only caveat I guess that I'm willing to be, feel a little bit better about is Brentford have been very good this season. Their last match before the world cup was beating man city comfortably. Um, they've only lost one time at home this season, which was unfortunately to arsenal. Um, you know, it's like they're not an easy opponent, but it's still, I think the standards we want this club to meet are are not being met. Well, I don't even think, I mean, you're right. You're right, Ben, about the standards. But, like, you look at this match, and even if you just sort of accept that, like, you know, we made these dumb mistakes and it is what it is, like, we still probably should have won this match. I mean, or it felt that way to me because we were playing well enough at the end, like, Uh, which I think gets to your point of why aren't we doing the better? Like, it's not like this team isn't capable of taking it to a team like Brentford. I understand game state and tired legs and all that, but like you saw how we played for the last, like, you know, I would say since, I don't know, the second Brentford goal. Like, I mean, it's not like Spurs are incapable of breaking a team down or taking it to them or creating chances. I mean, they do that, but I mean, you look at this team and I mean, I think something that I've really, and this is going to sound stupid, but I've really had issues with is uh, just sort of watching them this year is like Conte got that defense playing so well last year. And obviously a big part of that was Christian Romero, who's not in the team. But even apart from Romero, I mean, this team, this defense was just playing at a higher level last year. And it's just, you know, it is just clear that they, I mean, they're not good enough, and that's because a couple guys have fallen off and because we didn't make upgrades. But, you know, I, I thought there could be problems this year, but they have played at a level far below what I thought you could sort of reasonably expect out of this unit. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's really, considering how much Conte was able to whip them into shape last year, I'm a little shocked how bad they are this year. I mean, maybe I shouldn't be. You know, you get that short-term result, and then these are players who aren't good enough to sustain it over the long term, but... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I think uh, Kulisevsky talked about it after the match, and, um, you know, he talks about how he's not sure what's going on, but, you know, the players need to wake up and play in the first half, and, and um, you know, I, I certainly think that if it's a failure of motivation, if it's a failure of focus, you know, those are things that can be laid at the feet of Antonio Conte. Um but by the same token, like I, I, I don't know. I the 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 squad is fundamentally flawed. Um, you know, our bench this weekend was or on Monday was, I mean, atrocious. Um, and I, I understand that you know Richarlison is hurt. Um, you know, Lucas I think is unavailable. Uh, Romero's on, uh, not back. But like, you know the absence of Richarlison and Lucas shouldn't mean that we are attacking options or are as limited as they are. Um, and I, I just, I'm trying to remain positive because, Hey, look, we're still in the champions league. We're still fourth place. You know, a lot of things can change. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a long next five, six months. Well, I think, Brian, you touched on something that I think is also a problem that there's a lot. We're going to get to Conte in a little bit, and there's a lot that I would lay at the feet of Conte. But one thing that I don't know what you do is, like, Son is a huge problem, is becoming a huge problem, I feel like, or at least these performances. And it's not just, you know, because you can look at Kane when he goes through a bit of a dry spell, and there's ways that he's contributing to this team. You know, I thought Kane actually, um, despite a bit of a slow start, I think he kind of eased his way into that game and was really, I mean, you know, he scored. Uh, he scored a really good goal. He whacked the crossbar for another, uh, for, or almost for another. But um, 
Hassan is just not giving us anything. I mean, he's losing the ball. I mean, it's the same story we've been saying all year. But, you know, he's had five goals all year. Three were in one game. You look at this team, and the goal production actually, you know, like if, if Son was just giving us an average year for him, I think we'd be fine in terms of goal production. The midfield, for whatever else they're doing, they are scoring goals this year at a reasonably respectable clip, especially when you consider none of those guys are really goal scorers. It's just like Son just – He's losing the ball. He's not integrating with moves. He's not getting off good shots. Although I think it, it it must be said to be give him a little bit of credit. I thought he I thought he almost had the winner there at the very end of the match, but it was maybe the only good shot he took all day. But it's just like I mean he's been on top of everything else. It's maybe like the one thing I wouldn't lay at the feet of management or the club is just like Son has just been nowhere to be found this year, and it's really. You know, I think we're deep enough into the season that it's really starting to become a problem. And that's where I think not having Richarlson as an option is 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 a real like I think that's where it really sucks because he should fit in really well right there. I do wonder if when Richarlson comes back, Conte will finally be willing to make that hard choice um and give him some minutes over Sun on the left. Because we've seen Richarlson play for Kulishevsky and that front three doesn't really work. But you know, now that Kulishevsky is back, uh, it may be time to make Richie our, our first choice in the front line. As much as it pains me to do this, Sonny, he is just doesn't seem to have it this year. And then, of course, we remember that the hat trick he did score came in the one game he was benched for Richardson and came off the bench. That looked like a man possessed. Um, I don't know. I mean... I'm looking at this team, and it's hard to hard to blame personnel. You know, we're missing Romero, we're missing Hugo, we're missing Bentoncourt, but it's like we have guys there. We spent, you know, on Basuma this summer specifically uh, to beef up our midfield, and he has been extremely erratic in his performances. We have Skip, who's looks decent, but Conte, for whatever reason, doesn't seem to like. You know, um, we 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 bought Forster very recently. That was on. That was a decision that this club made. This guy was good enough to be a backup uh, goalkeeper for this team. And, you know, like, yeah, he sucks. But, like, I can't be mad that he had to play. That's why you buy a backup goalkeeper. Uh, and he's terrible. Um, you know, it's like this is mostly our first choice 11. And they just don't look like they know how to play together. Yeah, and, I mean – Bentoncourt is a miss. I think I think he gets underrated how much a miss he is. Romero is obviously a miss, but you're right. Like we should be able to figure out a way to beat Brentford with those, without those two guys. We not have thirteen guys in this fucking squad. This is the whole reason you have that. You have that. Um, you have depth on your team. It's the whole reason we were supposed to have bought the guys we bought in the summer, and it's really, it's really frustrating to watch. And I guess it's like you know, I think it's easy for us as fans to really focus on transfer policy. I mean, that's where this whole Enoch out thing comes from. You know, it's not about like fan ownership of the club or involvement. It's about like, why aren't you spending like Chelsea? But, you know, and, and putting aside those issues, cause I mean, you know, there are issues about who and how and why we bought them. You know, the flip side of this is like, as much as Conte got just like so much more out of this team last year than any of us thought was possible. It just feels like he is just leaving so much money on the table this year. It's like, I don't know. Even accounting for, like, Skip was hurt at the beginning of the year. I don't know why Skip's not playing more. I don't know why Basum has been as bad as he has been. I don't know why, you know, he won't use anyone on the bench. I don't know why he won't develop anyone under the age of 24. It's just, you know, and I think that's part of my frustration. I think a lot of Spurs' frustration comes in with um, Conte, where there is a sense of, and I don't know if it's a frustration coming from the transfer policy or just that he feels like he should be at a bigger club or he's just, like, mad that things aren't going as well as they could be, but there's this real sense that he's a passenger here, and I have a real hard time with that when he just keeps doing the same thing over and over, and it's like, we're not trying to use Spence, we're not trying to use, you know, a different formation, we're not mixing things up, we're not benching Son, which obviously that's not a fair criticism of this game, but you know what I mean, it's... You know, there's things that Conte could be trying, and he's just not doing it. Right. I mean, how many games have we seen us get outmatched, a three-man midfield versus a two-man midfield? And rather than bring on another midfielder, he persists with this back three that he is so dogmatically committed to. And it's like we're getting a back three of Jaffa, Tanganga, 
Long Lay and Eric Dyer. These are the three guys that are like essential to have on the pitch. We can't keep up midfield and solve like an actual problem area on this team time and time again. Like I don't know if Conte knows how to make a four three three system work, but like I would love to see him try it when it's his preferred system is clearly not working. Um, you know. Well, and we all we all complain about Emerson Royale and you know are all of our other fullbacks who probably would all look more comfortable if they didn't have to be wingbacks. I mean, I understand that's how Conte's system works. And, you know, to some extent I can respect he's trying to drill it in and get these guys into a system. But, like, we keep hemorrhaging points, and I don't think it's entirely the player's fault. I think definitely he has to own some of this. Yeah, I I, I don't know. We're just going to get this the rest of the year. And so, I while I agree with Ben that like I would like to see something else, and I agree with Greg, like I would like to see us use different people. Um, we've been saying that for what a year and a few months now, so it's not it's not going to happen. So we should just we either have to get new different players, which seems unlikely, or the ones we have just have to start playing better, and that that that's it. Like and I don't. I, right? <laughs> yeah. So I I don't know. Uh, you know, look, it it isn't possible that this team goes on a crazy run like we did. Um, you know, last season, uh, from like we're from January to May, we were the best team in the league. We we still have the same fucking guys, so they're they're obviously capable of doing it. Um. I don't know. I'm, well, I'm really struggling. I, this is this team is breaking my brain. I think something that irritates me a little bit is like you know we know I mean, again we don't we should preface all this like we're not at the training ground we're not in the boardrooms we don't know exactly what conversation we have so like maybe Spence sucks maybe he can't tr- pass a football and that's why he's not playing I don't know but certainly in terms of transfer policy like Bastoni seems to be the one guy that Conte really wanted that for whatever reason we weren't able to bring in it doesn't sound like there are passing midfielders that Conte is agitating for that we are not bringing in or specific I mean again I'm not abrogating the club responsibility here but like you know specific wingbacks that we're trying to get or you know wingback seems to be really the only position he's been agitating for outside of Bastoni and it's it's just strange to me that it's like, like I say, he just seems like such a passenger. He's acting like he's such a passenger in all this, where it's like, you can't get your guys for whatever reason. Seems like you need to change things up, mix things up, try things a little differently. And we're just, you know, we're not doing that. And I don't, I mean, did you guys see, was there, I mean, I, I would say what? We started really t- turning the screws in like the 60th minute of the game thereabouts like that's when we really started playing better was there some tactical tweak that i missed because it just seemed like we started executing a lot better all of a sudden i mean oh you're muted ben no oh no (laughs) picking up brian's bad habits over the break i mean i you know we didn't really start turning the screws we just started taking some shots. All right, playing better is what I mean. Like, um, I honestly, you know, can't say that I was deeply invested in the tactical break uh, breakdown of the game. Uh, by the time we were two 0 down, I was pretty just like, "Fuck this team!" At this point, well, two one, two one, but yeah. No, I'm saying at two zero, I was like, no, we weren't. We were never down two zero. It was. Uh... Yes, we were. Oh, were. Oh, we were. Okay, sorry, I'm I'm mixing <laughs> up with the penalty. Never mind. All right, ignore talking? me. We were, we went into halftime down two zero. No, no, they scored early in the second half. It was right idea. after halftime. Yeah. All right. Did anybody watch? We're that? all wrong. None of we're us. We're all wrong. No, match. what I'm confusing it is should, Harry Kane podcast, should have had a people. penalty right before they scored their second. So that's that's on me. My bad. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was soft. That was soft. No, no, he got rugby tackled in the box. Like, come on. It was. Whatever. Like, again, I'm not going to be mad about a fucking penalty when we're this bad. It's like, we can't get bailed out with a penalty every week, which we seemingly do, and we're still bad. Uh, I don't remember yeah, what I we're mean, talking It doesn't matter. It doesn't it, Look, it, all, <laughs> Ben is right. Ben is right that, like, we, we did, like, tighten the screws a little bit after we got the goal back. But, like, 
I think the only tactical thing that I saw to an analyze was that our back line started compressing the space. Um, and, and that is what has happened in all of these games that where we have gone behind early that we sit in this kind of low to low mid block situation in the, in the first half and play kind of not passively, but, but allow teams to come on to us more and it doesn't work out. And then in the second half, we turn it up a little bit. We try to play more front foot. We, we try to possess the ball, hold the ball and create opportunities and it works for us. And, you know, earlier in the season playing that way wasn't working as well because we didn't have Kulisevsky in there um, to, to create for us, but he's back now and he is, he is playing really well. And, and, and so we should be kind of leaning into that. Let's like, let's see the line push up the field. Let's see us compress the space. Let's, you know, use the passing that our defenders do have. I mean, Longley's cross to Kane for that first goal. Like that's a really good pass. And we can talk about Longley's other deficiencies as a defender or whatever, but like, we don't have any other defenders other than Christian Romero that are making that pass. And so lean into that. Right. I think, that's a big thing that we're kind of sold on how Conte's patterns are supposed to work or involve, you know, movements that get the center backs higher up the pitch as the phases of play progress. And we just aren't seeing them show up that far up the pitch. We aren't seeing them play those incisive passes. And when you have the only guys on your team who can pass the ball in your back line, we need to get them higher up the pitch to do the passing from because nobody ahead of them can pass the ball. And yeah, when Longley finally did it, it was like, yeah, this is good. This creates stuff. I don't know. Oh, now when it's- he makes that pass, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, when he makes that pass, he's like 35 yards out from goal. Like he's not, he's not in, you know, the center of the park. He he is way up the pitch, and like that's a position that we're used to seeing Romero take up. And like, look. Tanganga wasn't doing it, and Davinson, I'll give Davinson some credit. He does a reasonable approximation of it sometimes. Um, but, like, where was that in the first 60 minutes of the game? Why did we have to go 2-0 down before we were like, all right, now forward? Um, and, and you know, I don't know. It's just frustrating. Right. Like, playing on the back foot to keep it tight and conceding first nine games in a row should be a pretty clear lesson for Conte that this is not an approach that's going to work for this team. Especially when, you know, we we always talk about Conte not having a plan B. And, like, it now seems that the plan B is no longer just do plan A better. It's plan A, but push everybody forward. And... So that seems like a pretty easy tweak to make to like start the game. Like you're not changing positions. You're not changing the patterns. You're just being like, okay, more, more front foot, set the line higher up the pitch. Like, and I mean, you know, the last two games, the Leeds game um, and and then this Brentford game, like the, the, playing deep against these inferior teams just was not the way to do it. And once we started playing football, we looked like we were going to beat the brakes off of them. Right. What if we approach games with the idea that we are the better team on the pitch and (laughs) took the onus on ourselves to act like it for 90 minutes? Here's the thing that I think is going on. And I think you can sort of like, you know, when I read this Spurs discourse on Twitter, hear them talked about, I feel like it's bubbling under the surface, which is, you know, you look at this team, I think part of the explanation for it is I don't think Conte trusts this team with the way they're able to play, and he's scared of giving up goals and going down. Now, you know, the obvious response to that is, well, you're doing it anyway, so just try to play and, you know, behave as if you're the better team against some of these guys. But it's the discourse that I think is is going around, which I, I agree with, is like, look, if you're going to have Conte and he wants to play a certain way, go get him guys that can play that way. And if you got to go spend money, you got to go spend money. It's got to be what it's got to be. I mean, the fact of the matter, we talk about how, like, the passing and ball advancement doesn't come out of the midfield. Like, Conte's last couple teams have had somebody who can pass the ball in the midfield. I mean, like, Fabregas at Chelsea, he had, he had 
you know, he's had others, but it's you know, Eric's in it in um at in, at Inter, but Brozovich. Yeah, he's had guys who get you know, you know, Bentoncourt can, you know, at once a month, twice a month, he puts he pulls a really nice pass together. He's a very tidy midfielder. I think Hoyberg is the same way, but neither of those guys is a reliable passer. And we don't have that. And we're just, you know, it's like we keep our transfer policy is very half a loaf where it's like, oh, well, he wants a fast wing back who can get up the pitch. Well, we'll buy him Spence. Well, he won't use Spence. So I just don't understand, you know, if we're going to go with a guy like Conte, like, you know, and I'm, you know, the serial winner thing is a lot of Spurs fans have been dumping on that lately, but it is, you know, true. I mean, this guy does win everywhere he goes. He wins a lot. Um, but, you know, if you're going to bring him in, you got to go get him the players that he needs. Now, I don't know where the breakdown is here because he certainly hasn't been – I don't think he's been throwing fits in public the way I was expecting him to over transfer. Certainly we haven't seen the fits in public the way we saw this time last year where, you know, if he'd had this result last December, he would have been threatening to quit by the end of the match. So I don't know what we're doing, but, like, if we're not going – if we're not prepared to go buy him some players who are – you know, might be a bad fit for whoever the next manager is, whenever that is, like, I just – I still don't know what we're doing. And, you know, there's been – I know Nathan from the Extra Inch was talking about it online, about how, like, if we're not going to do this, then, like, let go of him and go get someone that can do the things that Daniel Levy and the board clearly want to do with this club. But, you know, I don't know. It's, it's just – the, the team construction seems to be catching up with us in a way that, you know, I, I didn't see coming this summer. And I thought, I, th- I like, again, I don't know where Conte is all in all this, but, you know, it's it seems like he's not on board with all of it, which seems very strange considering the way he talked last year. So, I don't know. It's just very – I think we're going to learn a lot this transfer window, honestly. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think the thing about the last few years with Daniel Levy has been he is committed to presenting this club as having the image of a big club. And he's willing to do anything it takes to, like, make Spurs look like a big club, from hiding managers to having a fancy team, whatever, except for the one thing that you actually need to be a big club, which is to spend a stupid amount of money in the transfer window on really good players. And we're just not willing to do that. And if we aren't willing to do that, like you said, for a guy like Conte, then there is no point in having Conte. We need to figure out what is our actual, you know, spending strategy and capacity as a football club and figure out a managerial situation that can work within those constraints. Because otherwise, it's just going to be bad. Or even a transfer, even just a a more coherent transfer policy. Because let's, let's, let's take... A generous view of the club's past summer. Let, let, let's let's look at it from a generous perspective. We spent a lot of money on Charles, and we spread some other money around on other players. Let's assume, for the sake of argument, the reason that we didn't get Bastoni, for instance, is like player wasn't willing to force his way out, club wasn't willing to sell. It just wasn't going to happen. Now, either if you're Spurs, you need to come up with enough money that Inter Milan is going to change their mind and sell him to us, or do that with another similar player, or you need a more coherent backup strategy. Now, you could argue that Long Lay, assuming you're going to be able to get another center back of the ilk you're looking for next summer or this winter, you know, is a perfectly viable back. Like, that is what we did. But, you know, we haven't done it for right back. Or we haven't done it for wing back. We haven't done it in midfield where we're not, you know, again, maybe Basuma was our idea and it just isn't working for whatever reason. But I would argue even the most positive sort of projection of Basuma in our midfield wasn't somebody who could pass the ball or advance it, you know, with any kind of, like, that's not the guy you're going to rely on to do that. So it's, you know, I, again, I, I don't know what we're doing. As long as Conte's here, you got to act a certain way, and it doesn't seem like we're either able or willing to do that. So what's your wish for January? Do you say if Conte says, I want a right wing back that does X, Y, Z, do you say yes? Let's spend fifty million on that guy. Yes, or do you fifty say, million, hundred percent. Yeah, your next summer. Let's be honest. We, we may not even need a right wing back after this. We may be, you know, back to a back four, and then we've just wasted all this money I on mean, a guy. I, again, I think it sort of depends on the type of player. If, if you're talking about an Adama, who is like might be totally useless, but you know, I feel like so many of these guys. Like, I mean, you're telling me like a Serge Aurier or something, but like back when we bought him, like who I think would have been an ideal kind of Conte wingback, um, you know, in 2018 or whatever, he came to Spurs. Like you tell me another manager can't figure out how to use a player like that. I mean, I don't know. Like 
So you want us to go all in, back Conte, whatever Conte wants. I mean, I think they need to make a decision. And I think, you know, they got to be prepared for it to get a little ugly if they're not going to do that. And clearly, you know, I think you're right in that Pochino took this club to a certain level. And Daniel Levy thought we were a quote-unquote big club. And then it all blew up in a way that I don't think anyone was expecting. Or at least, you know, didn't think was going to... Even even with all the difficulties with Pochino, I think it didn't go down in the way, you know, with... With Indombele and Lo Celso being total wastes of money, with Pochettino just at, like actually getting fired in the middle of the season because we were playing so badly, and I think we've been trying to tread water ever since. So he need they need to make a decision. I don't think they're willing to do the other thing, which is like we're going to spend a few years in the wilderness. We're going to do. I don't want to say what Arsenal did because I I think they did it to an extent, but they also kind of stumbled around a little bit. Um, you know, are we willing to back a new manager, go hire some young guy with with some cre- credibility with the club, and we're going to be willing to like finish sixth, seventh, eighth for you know two or three years? Are we willing to do that? I mean, you know, I hate that Arteta has come good at Arsenal. It, it, it makes me so mad because there were so many things trending in the wrong direction at the end of last year. But you know, their patience has paid off. And are, is Tottenham willing to do a project? That probably means letting Kane go. That probably means letting. You know, it might mean letting Son go. Well, I think. I mean, I don't want to say we're stuck with him because I don't think, I don't think his son's entirely dead yet. But you know, are we willing to, you know, just pull the plug on this? I don't think we are. And if we're not, we need to back Conte. I mean, we have the money to do it. It's not like we're going to go into hawk over it. We're not going to become Everton. But you know, I think this. I think we frankly we need it one way or another. We need to be more, more ruthless about transfers. We. I mean, I'll say this about Paratici. Like the one thing you got to give that guy credit for. Amongst, I mean, other than picking good players off of Juve, is like he's gotten guys off our books. Maybe it's for a loss or whatever, but like, you know, you look at where Deli Alley is right now, and it's good, whatever else you want to say about it. It's, at least we're not paying him money anymore. And, you know, I feel like before Paratici, we would be paying him money right now. So, I mean, we need to be more ruthless as a club. We need to, like, we need to pick a direction and actually do it. We None of this, like, half measure shit. I mean, I feel like Daniel Levy has historically been very good at selling off dead weight. For decent money, not the last the few years. <laughs> I, I don't think that's true. I think it's the issue isn't selling off the dead weight. The issue is saying we ha- we have these peak players rather than transform those players into money to buy younger, you know, new star players. We have just committed to riding the wheels off of Harry Kane and Son and Hugo and you know Toby and Jan and you know all of these guys who we just kept until they couldn't play football anymore because we didn't feel like we could reinvest and replace them you know the last time we did that was with with kyle walker i think when we and that was begrudgingly was, right like we are we have been so committed to just like not selling our best players that if you want to run a club like dortmund or whatever we think ourselves as like you have to be willing to sell those guys and reinvest in the team otherwise you can't afford a team that good again in the future. Well, the funny thing about this is, given the way he always is characterized, like I think a lot of this stems from the fact that Daniel Levy's a fan and he likes these guys. And I think a lot of it comes from, you know, how many times on this podcast did we say, we want to see those guys lift a trophy? I want to see Hugo Lloris and Harry Kane and, you know, once upon a time, Deli Alley and Jan Vertonghen and Toby Alderweireld. I want to see him in a Spurs shirt lifting a trophy. And I think that's where a lot of this came from. And that's not a great way to run your football club, but... You know, I mean, what they should have done, you know, we get, we, we've had this argument before. I, I think we keep Harry Kane at all costs is a very defensible position. I think that is not as foolish as a lot of, you know, former members of this podcast would say it is. The thing about that is if you're going to do that, you need to make maybe make a few harder decisions about other players on your team. Because I, I, I can respect we're never getting a better player than Harry Kane. He's important to this club. He came up through our ranks. I want to keep him around. We build around him. But you need to, A maybe sell some other guys, turn that into money, and B, like, you need to hit on those guys that you bring in. Like, that's where I think the Lo Celso and Ndombele, I think we underrate how disastrous those signings were for this club. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, you look at the past of Daniel Levy's time at Spurs and seeing Berbatov and Keane and Modric and Bale all get prized away from us for a lot of money to go um, to these big, Big clubs, and I think you're right. As a fan, Daniel Levy is like, my goal is to never get to a place where we have to sell our best player again. And you know, I think that's where we are. Is he re- refuses 
the idea of of turning over his squad um, because that's not what a big club does. They don't sell guys, you know, at the prime of their careers or the late peak of their careers. Um, they keep them because they're big clubs. And, you know, as much as the Bale 7 were a disaster, uh, getting Christian Eriksen was a key component of transforming this team to the next great Tottenham Hotspur team. Um, you know, we could have hit better on that spending spree, but having that financial investment was, was crucial. Um, so, I'm not, I, you know. But I'm not even saying that's what they have to do. I mean, I think that's probably the smartest strategy. They just need, they need to do, if they want to be a big money club and spend like it, then spend like it. Like, spend like top only spending. I mean, I don't know if we can do that. Clearly, we... It's not going... Yeah, my point is, if you don't want to sell these players, that's what you have to do. <laughs> like, Right. You know, I think, like, we got so lucky with Harry Kane that it is a once-in-a-generation kind of player that it papered over so many problems with the structure of how to get players as good as Harry Kane to this club. And in the eight years or whatever it's been since he's been at this at this team, we have not figured out how to how to replicate that. What do we do when Harry Kane finally leaves? How do we get another guy as good as Harry Kane? We've built nothing that will allow us to, to replace him when he goes. And I don't feel like Levy has thought about this other than, well, I have this once-in-a-generation kind of guy. I better hope that this works out now. I don't know. I mean... I think it's been a little more complicated than that. And I think there's been, like I said, I think Pochettino just detonating in the way that he did has caused so many problems that we have just not solved well. But, man, I don't know. Brian, do you have any thoughts? You've been awfully quiet over there. I mean, you guys, uh, I just, it is a frustrating time. And I don't think there's a reasonable solution um that is actually going to happen um you know i like daniel levy i'm very much not enoch out in any way um and so you know i i think what he's done for the club is is not to be discounted but i i you know newcastle are in second right now arsenal are in first they're clubs that have made some smart purchases that are developing young players through their academies. Um, And I I understand that, you know, Newcastle has unlimited financial coffers and Arsenal, I don't know, are are maybe riding their luck a little or, or really got really lucky with a specific generation of young talent. But uh, it's a struggle to see why we can't be in a similar position to those two clubs. Especially when you look at, you know, Newcastle's unlimited money right now, and basically what they've done is hire Eddie Howe, convert Joe Linton from a striker to a midfielder, play, uh, sign Bruno Guimaraes, who was very much in our price range. And I don't know if he was in our wage range, but, yeah, I, I do get that. <laughs> you know, it's not like they've gone out and spent, uh, you know, with the exception of uh, Isak, who has not really played all that much. They haven't spent a ton of money on people. You know, they got they signed Botman in the summer, also not that expensive. Um, Nick Pope, not that expensive. Well, the like, real, the real. I think what's funny about it is I think the real use of the Saudi money so far was keeping them from getting relegated. So when they spent all that money on really bad players, was really where it's it's gotten them the furthest right now. Um, but it is a little frustrating sure. to see how it's all come together for them. Yeah, and and it's come together with Eddie Howe, who, you know, we saw yeah. what he was at Bournemouth, and and maybe look, maybe he's a better manager than what his tenure there dictated, or maybe he, you know, finally has some more financial resources and he's able to do more with it, or better quality players. I don't know. I think he's not as good a manager as Antonio Conte, but he has turned that team into something that is. Um, that looks like, you know, the old Newcastle entertainers, that looks kind of like the the football that we as Spurs fans want to see. Um, So you can't tell me it's not impossible. Um, We just have to commit to doing it. And I don't know... I don't know that we are going to do that. 
Womp womp. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I, I, again, I think we're going to learn a lot from this January and see what what direction we're heading in. Uh, just So before we start the new year, uh, I'm curious for your predictions. Will Antonio Conte be the manager of Tottenham Hospital when we start next season? Brian? Was that Brian? I couldn't yeah, yeah, I, I'm not sure you I know, picked I that up. You know, I looked at it. I looked at it to see if it was <laughs> muted. And I was like, no, it's it's not muted. I can talk. Um, yes, he will be the manager next season. Ben? Not do you want. I'm asking, do you think he will be? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it seems way more calamitous that we're going to go into the season with him and, like, have, having backed him for one more summer, and then it starts badly, and then we have to regroup in October when we finally can him. That seems more like our MO. I mean, I, I think we're going to learn a lot the second half of the season because I think you could very plausibly say Spurs got really lucky in that first half that we didn't drop more points than we did. And we started dropping them towards the end as we got towards the World Cup. So, you know, is that just – are Spurs just going to be sort of a boring team that can keep grinding out Champions League spot points? Or is our luck going to finally catch up with us? So, I don't know. I think we're about to find out. Yes, we are. I I think – I'll leave it with this. I I think you look at this team, I see no reason why they can't play better. I'm not sure – you know, I mean, we all had very high expectations of this team based on how they did last year. And, you know, you get Romero back in the team, you get Benton Core back, you get somebody else in the team besides Kulishevsky who can pass the ball. You know, I, I just don't see why this team shouldn't be able to figure it out in the second half. Uh, or at least, and by figure it out, I mean just, like, look better. Like, I don't know. You know, I, I guess top four is still my goal given just where we are right now. But, you know, it's like... I don't know. I see no reason why this squad shouldn't be able to perform better than it has. Um, uh, but they keep not doing it. So, you know, every week I go in, I'm going to be like, this is the week we figure it out. And it's not. So, womp, womp. Womp, womp. so we'll be back next week after the new year, after we, you know, play however the hell many games we're playing after the new year. Um, but we'll be back to talk more about Spurs. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, Brian, where can people find you on the Internet? Oh, this is a more loaded question than the last time we asked it, actually. Where can people find you on the Internet? Uh, for now, you can continue to find me on Twitter, um, at Brian underscore Ashlock. That is Brian with a Y. Ben, uh, are you actually on Mastodon now? <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, I still have a Mastodon account. It's there. You can follow me. But, no, I haven't used that since the last time we dabbled with the idea of fleeing a, a dying Twitter. Uh, I want to come crawling back and realize that <laughs> we're fucking nerds. Um, so, Twitter it is for now. At Comrade you Spurs. And for now, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Skipjack0079. I've parked accounts on other stupid sites, but they all suck, so I haven't used them. Uh, for Ben, for Brian, I've been your host, Greg. Oh, also for Brett Rainbow, we, 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 need, we can't leave him out. Uh, <laughs> Uh, come on, you Spurs, please. That would be nice. 